Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us for our Stay by the Tree webinar series, Messages of Hope. I'm Karen Broadhead. I'm the Parent Support Specialist for Life-Changing Services and the Founder and Director of Mothers Who Know. We are an online connection, support, and training resource for mothers. We think it's so important to invest um, in ourselves and provide lots of free resources for moms so we can connect with each other and help each other, mentor each other, and care for each other, and love each other. Our motto here at Mothers We Know is stay by the tree. And our theme is 2 Timothy 1.7, and it is something we try to remember and God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so in the wonderful, amazing, challenging time that we live in as mothers, there's so many cool things required of us that allow us to grow and they can be kind of stretchy and a little messy. And so when we know where our power lies and how to keep the spirit God gave us and that it's at the tree. It's where he is near him, fighting with him and for him, for ourselves first and our family that we love so deeply. I'm so excited for you to meet Becky today. I have a great love and respect for her. Some of you know her, some of you don't, but I'm very grateful for her message today and the other things I've learned from her. She's a wonderful woman on a mission, just like we all are, and I'm grateful for her efforts this morning. I'm going to turn the time over to April for some information and an introduction to Becky. Awesome. Thanks so much, Karen. I'm just going to introduce a little bit who we are. Karen mentioned it, but just in case you don't know, we are Mothers Who Know, and this is Stay by the Tree, our Messages of Hope series. Mothers Who Know is sponsored by Life Changing Services, and Life Changing Services is a group of Latter-day Saint counselors dedicated to help and heal families and marriages. We offer programs for young men and men struggling with pornography or other um, sexual self-mastery issues. And we also offer programs for young women that are struggling with anxiety, depression, or any other unwanted behaviors or tough issues that they might be having. And we offer programs for wives struggling through any kind of betrayal trauma. And of course, we offer programs for parents to help them in their own healing process. Our parent support arm is called Mothers Who Know. And as Karen said, the scripture that we use is, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that's from 2 Timothy 1.7. At Mothers Who Know, we are here specifically to help parents. We're a Christ-centered place where we provide support, connection, training, and hope to mothers when they have a child battling any kind of a challenging issue. And our sole desire is to support mothers. One of the ways we do this is through a program called Mom Power Training. Mom Power Training is a free eight-week self-guided online training with weekly live mini classes on Zoom every week. 
it's, it's open enrollment. You can take it anytime. And honestly, it really is free. We get people that ask all the time, okay, what's the catch? There's got to be something. And really, we just want to help moms. We want to help you feel more centered in Christ. So mom power training will help increase your peace and spiritual routines, build stronger bonds in your family relationships, increase your ability to center your life in Christ, fortify your divine identity and purpose. It will empower you to recognize and defeat the tactics of the adversary and increase your faith community and group support system with other like-minded women. So if this is something you're interested in, you can register at mompowertraining.org. And again, it's free for anybody. It's open enrollment. All of the courses are available online. You can take them anytime you want. And then if you want the live training, we meet every week, actually in the same Zoom room at the same time. So in between our eight weeks of mom power training, we offer this uh, three-week series called Stay by the Tree, Messages of Hope. And in this series, we invite other speakers to come who we have looked at and we have thought, you know what, their message aligns with ours and they have something that we believe can help other moms out there. We call it Stay by the Tree. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what that means. As mothers, we understand the worry and fear we can feel, hoping to make sure that our loved ones find the Savior. The name of this webinar series, Stay by the Tree, comes from the scriptural account in the Book of Mormon from 1 Nephi chapter 8 of a beloved parent and prophet, Lehi, commonly called the Tree, tree of Life Vision. The vision beautifully depicts that the best place for us to stand while beckoning to loved ones on their journey is right next to the Savior. Lehi beckons, invites, speaks with all the feelings of a tender parent, and sometimes even calls out in a loud voice. Yet he never leaves the tree. He never forces others to him. He just invites. Standing safely by the Savior and partaking of the fruits he generously extends is the best place for us to feel peace and hope, even in the middle of hard. So we invite you to join us. If you're a mom who ha is struggling with anything, just with the challenges and the choices that your, your children might be making, join us at motherswhoknow.org. And we meet as a group every week. And we just are here to support each other and learn how we can best benefit from the atonement in our own lives and be able to teach that to our children. We're really excited today as we've invited Becky Edwards, and she's going to share with us a message of hope to parents of LGBTQ children. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Becky. I'll introduce her, and then I'll just go ahead and turn the time over to her. Becky is a faith-based mentor, blogger, and speaker, including BYU Women's Conference and BYU-Idaho Education Week. Her specialty is combining mentoring tools with faith to help people improve their inspiration, mindset, emotions, habits, and relationships. She also helps people navigate the intersection of being a Latter-day Saint and having an LGBTQ child. She helps people overcome obstacles so they can reach their goals, create the life they choose, and accomplish their divine life purpose. Becky is the creator of Heaven Journaling and the Life on Purpose group coaching program. She's a former LDS seminary and institute teacher, professional organizer, and coach for mentoring students. She graduated from BYU studying marriage, parenting, and counseling. Becky and her husband, Mike, have been married for nearly 30 years, and they have five children and five grandchildren. And if you want to connect with Becky, you can find her 
on Facebook under Becky Edwards. You can find her on Instagram at Purpose Driven Mentoring. And then her website is still under construction, but you can get there at PurposeDrivenMentoring.com. And I'm sure it'll be up soon. But in the meantime, if you go to PurposeDrivenMentoring.com, you'll also see a link to her current blog. She's got lots of articles there too. And so you'll be able to find her anywhere. And for those in the webinar right now, here's a picture of her beautiful family. And I will just let her finish with whatever else she wants to tell us about her. And we'll go from there. Oh, you know what? I just forgot to mention, we're going to have a Q&A. We want to make sure that you sisters are aware that at the top of the hour, we'll kind of wrap up and let those of you that need to leave it go. And we hope that you're able to stay, but we're going to stay and have a Q&A with Becky. So if you have questions, be entering them in the chat along the way, and we'll read those out loud. Okay, Becky, there you go. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. So happy to see you. I have some friends in this group. Hi. Hi to those I know and to the rest of you. I'm sure we would be friends if we went out to lunch today. Like we should all go out to lunch, right? <laughs> or maybe you could all come to my house and I'll feed you salads or something. <laughs> so happy to be with you. I, I just want you to know that I have a lot of compassion for you as a mom. All moms have difficult experiences as moms and they are all they're not all the same but but we all have difficult ones and i just want each of you to know that i i feel for you i have empathy and compassion for you and a lot of respect for you so let's let's jump in a message of hope for lgbtq parents this is one of my favorite favorite pieces of art by one of my favorite uh, artists christian artist who happens to also be a latter-day saint from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. His name is J. Kirk Richards, and this piece is Jesus Said, Love Everyone. And if you look closely, there are lots of little people in that rainbow uh, rainbow uh, piece of clothing that, that Jesus is wearing. And I just think that's beautiful. There's a lot of symbolism built into this piece, including the seven angles and seven corners, which the artist said represents perfection, that God created LGBTQ children whole and perfect just the way he wanted them. Uh, or I'm going to say they, I believe we have heavenly parents. Jesus, uh, I believe in our savior, Jesus Christ. And I believe that we have a heavenly father and a heavenly mother and that our par heavenly parents created our LGBTQ children the way they wanted them to be. So I really love that piece of art that represents that. So I just want to introduce you to my family a little bit. This is <laughs> this middle daughter of ours. She's our middle child, our third out of five. Grace is her name. And she has had a whirlwind of a life the last little while. She came home from her mission in the fall. And then she got married in the spring. And then she got sealed in the fall. And then she had a baby in the spring. Like she's, she's had a lot going on. <laughs> and when she had she, in this picture where she's being sealed in the Payson Utah temple, she actually is three months pregnant. She, and, and so, you know, didn't, it didn't fit into that little tight-waisted dress anymore. <laughs> so anyway, it's been quite an adventure to have a COVID wedding and, and it's been good. It's been very good. So my family, my husband and I, Mike, have been married 30 years this month, this very month. We're going on a trip in two days to celebrate our anniversary. And we're really excited about that. 
And then our oldest child is Malia. She got uh, divorced when she had three tiny little girls. When this one was a newborn, this cute little Claire right here that we all adore. And they moved into our home. Maybe some of you moms with adult children can relate to this. <laughs> and so we went from being, you know, parents of young adults and teenagers to having three tiny little girls in the home. And it was a mess and it was wonderful and it was crazy and it was beautiful all at the same time. And then she uh, got remarried and this Christopher is her new husband and we adore him and he's a wonderful dad. And they now have another little girl with between the two of them. So they have four. Then our next child is Adam and he will graduate this next year from Weber State University. He's a gifted musician and he's, he's studying finance. And then Gracie is our next one who is a brand new little mommy. Her baby is about two and a half months old. And I happen to be across the country when that baby was born and I got COVID. So I missed the birth and then I missed being able to help her until several weeks later, which was not the funnest thing, but life goes on, right? <laughs> and then our twins at the end here, Gabe is on this side over here on the right, really tall, he's about six foot five and Hiram over here. And Hiram is our gay son. I'll show you a little bit closer up picture of our twins. Hiram went to one high school that has an international baccalaureate program. He's very academic and Gabe went to our local high school. And we had actually homeschooled our kids for about five years before these two uh, felt inspiration from God that it was time to go back to public school. And that was a big, that's been a big priority in my parenting and in my homeschool was I want my kids to learn personal revelation and to guide their lives by it. So this was at a rival basketball game because those two high schools really were rivals. I don't really get that. It's just not my thing. I don't, I'm not a huge sports fan and I don't love to be, to like hate and diss on other teams, but I know it's a big thing in high school <laughs> anyway. And this is their graduation day. And this just kind of shows their personalities. Gabe's gown is all wrinkled. <laughs> it's just kind of, you know how you could just say, oh yeah, that's that matches. And he's got his cool sunglasses on. And, and this is a fun briefcase he, he received from an extended family member that passed that is really special to him. And he decided to bring it to graduation. And Hiram's got all these awards because school was so important to him. And he'll be going to Cornell in the fall. So that is, that's a story or just a little introduction to our family. I want to let you know that our family has been, well, I just want to tell you the story of our, our family uh, kind of adjusting, I guess you could say to, so I found out three years ago, over three years ago that our son is gay. And I remember going through a lot of emotions. So if any parents here, or maybe, maybe you're here to learn for a nephew, or maybe you're a, a, a youth leader in your church or in your neighborhood, or, and you're just like, I just want to learn about this. That is fantastic because every congregation, every extended family has LGBT people in it. Statistically speaking, we can just count on that. We can just assume that. So it's really good to just speak kindly, assuming that. But anyway, when I first found out a lot of emotions, a lot of questions, kind of a roller coaster, parents often go through the grieving process. And that is super normal. And often a faith crisis happens on this journey. And that is very normal as well. Not, I don't think everybody does, but most of the people I know, I, I'm not sure that I personally know any who have it in this space that are parents of LGBT kids. So I just want you to know if you are in that experience, you're normal. And to help take some of that shame away that sometimes we might feel when we think, what is wrong with me? 
why did I just feel triggered by that quote at church? You know, a year or two ago, that wouldn't have, I would have just felt excited about that. And now it feels kind of painful. Those kinds of things are very normal for the journey that, that LDS, excuse me, Latter-day Saint parents of LGBT kids experience. Our son came out publicly about a year after we knew about it. So that whole first year, I, all I could talk to was my husband. Well, no, I take that back. I had a mentor at the time and I did talk to him and that was very helpful actually uh, to have a mentor to help, help me uh, put, put things into perspective and get my, get my head in a really good positive place so I could be as supportive as I could be. And then I just started learning like crazy because I, I didn't have support groups yet. I didn't, I didn't know what else to do because he wasn't out publicly. And so I just started learning and learning and learning and listening to so many stories. In fact, my son, after coming out at the end of his junior year in high school, he went on a trip to Brazil for three weeks and it was a scholarship type opportunity. And he came back and he said, mom, you're different. What, what happened? And I said, I've been binge listening to Richard Osler's listen, learn and love podcast. I've been listening to so many stories that I am so just overflowing with compassion and empathy for LGBTQ people who, who have been raised in an Orthodox religion. It is difficult. It has so many unique challenges that I have never had to face personally. And I just was filled with empathy and he could feel that. That meant a lot to my son. And then after he came out publicly, of course, the mama bear in me was watching that Instagram feed saying, is anybody being not mean to my boy? Like I wanted everyone to be kind. And that's not always the case. And then I, I started to post some, some advocacy, some, you know, let's, let's be kind, let's be nice, those kinds of things. And sometimes I get pushback on my posts and I have a pretty a pretty wide following. Right now, I, I felt inspired to create a series of posts about the LDS LGBTQ intersection on my Facebook page and also on Instagram. And I unfortunately, I'm my account is maxed on my 5,000 friends. And so I have all these people trying to friend me and I, I just need to go in and clean it out. And it, that takes a lot of time. So I haven't done that yet. I probably won't because I'm leaving town. But, but you're more than welcome to follow if, if not friend, because a uh, friend won't work at the moment, but following, well, there's a little follow key if you would like to see those posts. And sometimes I get pushback, so, but being a pioneer is, is difficult work and being a, an ally of pioneers is difficult work. And I, I'm okay with that. When I realized how much pain my son and, and most, most LGBTQ people who have been raised in Orthodox religions, how much pain they have experienced. I thought I can take one for the team. I want to be a stone catcher, which is for those who are members of my faith. And we just heard about this in, in a general conference that we had in early April. And he, this, this leader, I think it was Gary, Gary Stevenson. He was actually quoting um, an author and a, and a wonderful uh, civil rights lawyer named Brian Stevenson. Somebody tell me if I got that wrong. Who has a wonderful movie that created about him called Just Mercy, I think. I, I saw it, but it's been a while. Fantastic show. And that's the kind of work that my son is, my gay son is passionate about because he knows what it's like to be marginalized. And he uh, also wants to be a lawyer and help those who, who don't have as much of a voice. So that idea of, of stone catching, when we think about the savior with the, the woman being brought, who was caught in adultery, when she was brought to the savior and these men were trying to trap the savior and trying to see what he would do with this woman. And, and his answer was, 
he who is without sin can cast the first stone. And everyone realized, that's not me. Well, that's not me either. That's not me either. <laughs> and they, they dropped their stones and walked away. And, and so a lot of what I focus on is not only stopping throwing stones. I didn't know that I threw stones before, but I did. I, I know I did. I just didn't know better. I taught old rhetoric, old messaging that I was raised with that is absolutely not taught in our leadership of the church today. But it's not really, and I, I didn't go do the work to see that, oh, that teaching has changed. And oh, that, that has changed. Oh, I just didn't do the work. And I didn't really have a motivation to, I didn't know how to gay child yet. I think it's great when people step into this space as an ally and they don't even have a family member who is LGBT. I want to be that cool. <laughs> I have some friends who are that. And I just think, wow, I love your heart. But not only do I not want to throw stones, I want to catch stones that are being thrown at our LGBTQ siblings. I want to catch stones. And that is why I wear a rainbow ring. If you can see that, I wear that every single day, wherever I go. If I ever forget it, I feel sad because I want somebody if at the grocery store checkout or or, you know, while I'm teaching a class online or whatever it is to see that I am a safe place, that I love LGBTQ people and that I am trying, doing my best to catch stones that are thrown because they have so many thrown at them. All right. And oh, I also look, check out. So I just thought this was a fun little coincidence. See that beautiful tree of life right there. This idea of staying by the tree. And I love the tree of life symbol. I have trees all over my house and, and on and pictures and wall hangings. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of this theme, really big fan of this theme. And I believe the very best place to stay is right close to Christ. It's close to our heavenly parents. It's close to personal revelation. No matter what path our children choose, if we can stay close to Christ, we can be a conduit of that, that godly love to our child. And that can be life-saving to them. So, so I just encourage all of us and I'm doing my very best every day to stay by the tree. That is such a, a healing, nourishing, light-filled place to be. Does that mean life is easy? Nope. But does that mean life is more bearable and we have extra strength we wouldn't otherwise have? Yes. It does. At least that's been my experience. And I also just want to give a nod to that beautiful theme of God did not create a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I love that scripture from second Timothy. So, oh yeah, this, I just added this while we were getting started. I just purchased this beautiful work of art of the tree of life and I'm in love with it. I just wanted to share it with you all because of our theme of stay by the tree. This is called the love of God by Sabrina J. Squire. She created it for the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Every so often they have a big art competition, international art competition, and that's what she created it for. And I love, there's so much symbolism here. Look at the gorgeous colors that all this diversity of colors and hair colors and skin colors and ages and and I love to think that there are LGBTQ people in, the, in there. I, I would love to sit down with that artist and say, what made you choose rainbows? Was that part of your intention was to represent how, how heavenly parents love our LGBT, their LGBTQ children? I love to think when I, when, I per, when I got the print, I had actually had a pretty hard night. I had just some pain and I'd been crying and the print came and we got home 
and the print came in the mail and my husband said, look, your, your print got here. You've been so excited. And I, I opened it up on my bed and I just wept. And I thought this was a nice timing. Thank you, Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. And, and I looked at it and I thought, where am I? Where am I under the tree? And I thought, I want to be this person right here, this woman with the long, dark hair who is, who is conduiting fruit, fruit from the tree of life to other people. That's what I strive to be all the time. I pray for that all the time. Please help me be a conduit of your love to your children. Help me to just shine it like a lighthouse to, uh, to everybody around me. You know, if I'm at the grocery store and I pass somebody, I envision it's my hope that they feel a little burst of love. They don't even know where it came from. They just feel better about themselves. And I, I really believe that when we stay by the tree, we can do that. We can conduit God's love to God's children. And it's a, it's a tremendous honor to do that. Okay, here is one of my favorite quotes about how God feels about our LGBTQ children or, or how he's asking us to minister to them. That's, that's probably a better way to say that. This is by M. Russell Ballard, who is a leader in my, in my faith. He said, I want anyone who is a member of the church who is gay or lesbian to know that I believe you have a place in the kingdom. And I, tr- I personally believe that too. I've received personal revelation. I, I have a strong witness of that. And I recognize that sometimes it may be difficult for you to see where you fit in the Lord's church, but you do. We need to listen to and understand what our LGBT brothers and sisters are feeling and experiencing. I'm going to read that sentence again. We need to listen to and understand what our LGBT brothers and sisters are feeling and experiencing. By the way, you're absolutely welcome to take any screenshots or pictures of of anything I share. Certainly, we must do better than we have done in the past so that all members feel they have a spiritual home where their brothers and sisters love them and where they have a place to worship. Oops, I can't read the rest. Oh, I can read it right here. Where they worship and serve the Lord. (laughs) That's what it says. So I want to ask you, how are we doing fulfilling this call by our, this leader, M. Russell Ballard. How are we doing as a, as a culture, as congregations, as neighbors? Are we making our neighborhoods a safe place? Are we listening to our LGBTQ siblings? Because in my belief system, we are all brothers and sisters. We are siblings. We are God's children, literal God, literally God's children. Are we understanding them? Are we doing, are we striving to do better than we have done in the past. So as you ponder that question, I invite you to maybe at the top of your notes somewhere where it's easy to find, I invite you, and I'm going to be quiet for about 30 seconds, to think of what is your question that you are bringing today? What question would you like to be answered? And and say a little prayer that the Spirit will answer that for you. And I would be more than happy to conduit that answer through something that I say, or the spirit can talk to you directly, of course. But when I bring a question to a conference or a seminar or a class or a scripture study session of my own, I love writing the question down and that focuses my mind and it gives God a signal. Oh, she's really ready for an answer. And, and so I'm going to be quiet for 30 seconds and let you write down your question.
Okay. I just want you to know that a regular prayer of mine is I ask you to be an answer to other people's prayers. And, and maybe many of you pray for the same thing. We can be an answer to other people's prayers when we do our best to stay by the tree and live by guided by inspiration in our lives. So uh, thank you for taking the time. If you didn't think of a question, you can just say, I'm open. Teach me what you want to teach me, Heavenly Father. So one thing that I have found that helps me learn better is I imagine that I'm opening my mind. Sometimes we just have a closed mind. We just, I don't know what it is, but for different reasons, we just do. So I like to imagine I have double doors on my mind and I just imagine going, all right, I'm opening my mind. I'm ready to be taught. And I do the same with my heart. I just imagine there are double doors and I say open. And I just imagine my heart wide open, ready to be taught, ready to feel what God would want me to feel. So this is a, a quote by El, uh, Marvin Ashton, who is also, he's uh, passed away now, but he's a leader, uh, was a leader in our church as well. The best and most clear indicator that we are progressing spiritually and coming unto Christ is the way we treat other people. And I can tell you from my personal experience, and I've talked to many parents who feel the same in this, in this same journey, is that nothing in this life has helped me learn how to love better, like, like I believe Christ loves, as having an LGBTQ child. Nothing has. And maybe you have something similar in your life that you can say, boy, nothing has taught me unconditional love like this situation or this child or this uh, experience. And, and I celebrate that. Often those things bring difficulty or challenges. And, and I, don't, I now don't see it a challenge that I have a gay child at all. That is not a challenge. I have been so blessed by him and the community that I've become a part of. They're some of the best people I know and some of the most loving people I know. I was just over the weekend at a North Star Conference, which is a LDS LGBT. Well, it's not run by the church, but they do work with, you know, they're, they're connected, but they're not technically connected, I guess you could say. But anyway, they it's an LDS LGBTQ support group and we had a two-day conference. And I remembered thinking, oh boy, this is going to be a hug fest and I'm so excited <laughs> that they are huggers. And and it's the love is just thick. It's thick in the room and it's beautiful and it's healing. So this is something that Christ uh, emphasized many times. The very top, 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 top priority for him is love. It's just love. When he was, when there were 600 and something commandments back when Christ was uh, on the earth in the, with the law of Moses and people came up to him and said, which is the most important? And he said, love, love God, love your neighbor, love and yourself as you love yourself, love, love, love. That's three loves. That's pretty clear indication. And anytime gifts of the spirit are compared against one another in other places in scriptures, charity is always put at the top. It's love. That's what matters the most. And then this is from another leader, Russell M. Nelson. Today, I call upon members everywhere to lead out in abandoning attitudes of attitudes and actions of prejudice. I plead with you to promote respect for all of God's children. So I have four steps that have that I have learned on my journey the last three plus years of better loving God's LGBTQ children. I, I want to be better and, and have a bigger, love, more loving heart. And that has, has been my journey. And I'm, I'm so grateful for it. It's not been easy, but it's been very worth it. 
So the very first one is love is start with love and end with love and love in the middle and love in the edges and love in the cracks and everything in between. It's really important to understand that when a child is coming out to a parent or a grandparent or a teacher or a bishop or a friend, there usually is a a bucket of fear. I mean, there's so much fear. Sometimes children will literally get a suitcase and pack it because they think I might have, I might be kicked out and be homeless tonight. That is just devastatingly sad to me, but it happens. It happens less than it used to. Our Our church has, has been changing its teachings over the decades. And I'm glad because that rejection, that family rejection that used to be considered more okay is no longer considered okay. Like we don't do that. We do not reject it's not okay. And I hope that just our, our hearts and minds would go, no, that doesn't feel right. It's not right. And, and it's, so it's, it's so good that it's happening less, but just to understand an outpouring of love is the biggest thing they need right now. I'm so I have, well, actually I'm going to go back to my slides just a second. It's a false dichotomy that to fully love and follow God, we need to stop loving some of his children. Anytime I I show a a quote like this, that has the gray background in this, this kind of computerized looking font, I have pulled those from my friend, Richard Osler's social media. He is a fantastic ally and he has a blog or excuse me, he has a website and a book and a podcast all called listen, learn, and love. Highly recommend him. He was a young adult bishop in the LDS church, Latter-day Saint church, when um, he realized, oh, it's not us versus them. Gay people are like right in my congregation. Oh, I, and he had this prompting, wipe your hard drive clean, just wipe it clean and, and learn from them. So that's what he has done. And he's become a tremendous ally. This is from Quentin L. Cook, another leader in our church. As a church, nobody should be more loving and compassionate. Let us be at the forefront in terms of expressing love, compassion, and outreach. Let's not have families exclude or be disrespectful of those who choose a different lifestyle as a result of their feelings about their own gender. Okay, this is the slide I wanted. So helpful and hurtful. As we are striving to love, Every parent does this or every bishop, like we all make mistakes. So it's good to just have an ongoing conversation of, I, please forgive me and teach me to do better. I've apologized many times and I I'm keep getting better, but I've, I've made a lot of mistakes in this, in this space. So I just want to offer a few things that are helpful from my experience with my son and from other parents and a few things that are hurtful. So feel free to jot a few of these down if you would like. So helpful, the biggest thing that, it, that can be helpful is an absolute outpouring of unconditional love. Not, I love you, but not, I love, uh, hate, love the sin, hate the sinner. That feels very, that, that it, it might sound good to you, but you ask any LGBTQ person, well, I can't speak for all of them. So that I, let me reword that. In my experience, that's a very hurtful way to talk about them. Just unconditional love. Let's see understanding that they are, there is a huge fear of rejection. There's a lot of shame, internalized homophobia, meaning self-loathing. Like they have been, you know, socialized to really hate themselves in, in a lot of ways. And they've heard a lot of harmful messages about themselves from, from church culture, church teachings and policies. Those kinds of things have been really hard on their, their self-worth and their relationship with God. And a lot of times they believe they're not lovable by God. And so to express not only that you love them unconditionally, but that God loves them just the way they are. And to invite them to seek their own personal revelation that God loves them just the way they are. That is 
so profound and so helpful when they really start to believe that. Um, another helpful thing is to just believe them is if they say, you know, I'm attracted to, if a, if a son says I'm attracted to boys and it might be the, the first response might be, Oh no, 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 no. That's just a face. Don't, don't say that <laughs> because it creates fear in us parents, but just keep in mind this moment is about them, not us. <laughs> we, we can have our moment later and, you know, find a friend or a spouse or a mentor or a coach, a therapist to process our emotions. But for, for while this child is talking to you, this is really needs to be about them. And again, we've all made mistakes, but we can do better when we know better. And we can say things like, I just want you to know you are lovable, fully lovable and of worth. And you have value just the way you are. I just, I just want to make sure you know that. Thank you for sharing this part of you with me. I am so honored. It truly is an honor when somebody trusts you enough to come out to you, to tell them this part of you. They're, it's the same person as it was yesterday, the very same person. They're just sharing a part of you that they kept hidden before, that they couldn't be honest about before, usually because of fear. And now they're trusting you and they're seeing you as a safe place enough that you can, that they feel like, okay, I hope, I hope she or he will treat this with, with sacredness and respect. So I thank them. I had a person come out to me just yesterday. I'm having so much communication because of these posts that I have about every other day on average is, is when I'm making one of these posts and, and I, it's, it was an extended family member. I had no idea. She's almost my age. I'm 50. I'm, I am 50. And this person's almost my age. And I, I just cried. She, she came out to me on a message. And I just sat there. My husband and I were eating dinner alone because our kids are older and here and there and everywhere. And I just sat there and wept. I thought, how many years has this person been alone and not had support? And I just felt so sad. And I said, please let us support you through this. So it is a tremendous honor when somebody will trust you with that and treat it as an honor and just love them. Love, 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 love. A few other possible things you could say that could, that, that could be very helpful are, I just honor, I, I just want to acknowledge that you're, this is complicated being in a, you know, in your, whatever your faith is. I know we have a lot of Latter-day Saints here, but not necessarily everyone is. So whatever your faith is and being LGBTQ, that's complicated. And just to acknowledge that and help validate that, yeah, that was complicated. It's hard. It doesn't mean you're going against leaders. You're just giving empathy. You're just mourning with those who mourn, which is one of our baptismal covenants. And you can ask questions like, what has this been like for you? Has it impacted your faith? Has, is there, what can you teach me to help me be a better support? I want to be better. I want to be the very best parent to you that I can be please teach me. If it's somebody else, uh, I often will talk to other youth and young adults and, and in this space, and I will say, how are your parents? Do you have support at home? And if they don't, I say, please take my contact info. I want to be, be a supportive person to you. And I'm, I'm so sorry that you're not feeling that from your own parents right now. I hope they'll get her. I hope they'll come around. But in the meantime, I want to be a person that can support you and love you. And I have a lot of those. Many of them are BYU graduates. 
that some have supportive parents and some don't, but there's a lot of pain and I want to be a support person to them. So another thing you could say that might, that could feel very helpful is let's, I'm going to, I would just want you to know, I, I'm going to walk this road with you. I'm going to be close to you. I want I want to support you. Um, let's figure this out together. Those kinds of things. And for something that's very, very, very helpful for people who deal with gender identity. So there's sexual attraction, which is who I'm attracted to. And there's gender identity, which is, do I feel like my spirit and body match or do they not feel like they match? And for most of us, we are what's called cisgender, S-C-I-S gender. Cisgender means they match. That's the typical majority experience, but there's a small percentage. Oh, I didn't look this up. I want to say it's 1.5% of the population, but don't quote me because I I didn't look it up to verify that. That is transgender, which means they don't feel their inside and their outside matches. And, and what can be the most support, one of the most supportive things people can do for them is to affirm who they feel they are by using the name and the pronoun that they uh, prefer. Now, I am not at all pretending to know the massive cognitive dis- dissonance that comes when a parent learns that their child is transgender or or non-binary, which means I don't really relate to boys or girls. I just I, I just don't feel either one. Either of those experiences can be so like I like I don't get that. I know I'm a woman and I feel like I match and I like being a woman and and so what we can do is just do our best to have empathy. And, and prayerfully make those decisions and, and do your best to, to help that child feel that you are doing your best. We make, we make so many mistakes. I, I have quite a few transgender friends in my, in my circles and occasionally I use the wrong pronoun and I say, oh, sorry. And then I use the right one to move on. I don't make a big deal. Like it's all about me. I just say, oh, I mean, he, and, and I just move on. And, and so we do the best that we can. But that is, well, anyway, I'll get into suicide statistics later. (laughs) Letting the kids take the lead instead of us saying, well, okay, I don't know anything about being a gay person because I'm not, but let me just boss you around about it. Like that, it's helpful to say, teach me, what have you learned? What are you, what's your personal revelation? How, how is this impacting you? And to, to let them decide when they're ready to come out, to let them decide if they want to not tell grandparents, (laughs) you know, whatever it is, like let, let them because it really is their journey. We're just, we're support people. It's not our journey. We, we get our own support elsewhere, but it's their journey. All right. With what's helpful, I have a quick slide about the letters in LGBTQ. Oh, empathy. Here's an empathy quote by Brene Brown. Empathy is simply listening, holding space, withholding judgment, emotionally connecting and communicating that incredibly healing message. You're not alone. And so many of these kids have felt so alone. So empathy is really important. Bear one another's burdens, mourn with those that mourn, comfort those in need of comfort and stand as a witness of God. That is our baptismal covenant. So I'm going to come back to that. Letters of LGBTQ, just in case you're not familiar, L stands for lesbian. That means uh, a female who experiences same-sex attraction. G stands for gay. That can be a male or a female that that experiences attraction to their own, you know, a, a, man, a male attracted to a male, a woman attracted to a woman. Bisexual means being attracted to both genders. Transgender is feeling like there's a mismatch, that your body doesn't match who you feel inside. And then 
Q is queer or questioning. And queer can kind of be an umbrella for the whole community, the whole anywhere in the spectrum. And sometimes people are still figuring themselves out, especially I would say during puberty time, that there can be some figuring out and that's okay. And during that figuring out time, the thing they need the most is love. Love, love, love. Like, well, while you're figuring this out, I just want to be here for you. And I'm here to talk anytime. I'm here, I want to listen and and help process this with you. And, and I'm not going to force you or push you one way or the other. You just know that I'm a safe place. Those kinds of things can be very helpful. Now, back to this idea of hurtful. Some of the things that can hurt are to compare LGBTQ people with other things that really don't, aren't, a, aren't a true comparison, like addiction. And this is, again, by Richard Osler. I love his posts. He's, he said, it is wrong and painful for Latter-day Saints that, that are LGBTQ. You become addicted by trying something. Being LGBTQ is an inherent trait, just like having blue eyes, left-handed, or red hair. You didn't try having blue eyes to get blue eyes. It just was there. And just, just to help us be a little motivated to want to be helpful and not hurtful, I wanted to share four statistics that this really motivated me in my journey to do the work, to, to be more loving and to learn. So LGBT, meaning anybody who experiences any kind of same-sex attraction, whether it's you know a male, a woman, or both, so bisexual, they're, these youth are five times have more suicide attempts than straight youth. That is a huge difference. Five times, that's 500% more. Second one, LGBT youth, lesbian, gay, and bisexual youth from highly rejecting families have eight times more attempted suicide than LGBT youth who have supportive families. Now that's the one I want us all to pay attention to. Are we going to have rejecting behaviors or are we going to have supporting behaviors? Eight times more attempted suicide from families who have rejecting, highly rejecting behaviors. The third one for transgender and non-binary youth, having gender identity and pronouns respected by all or most people greatly reduce risk of suicide. And the fourth, LGBTQ youth with at least one accepting adult, one safe, good, solid adult in their life were 40% likely to attempt suicide. That's a big deal, my friends. That's a big deal. I still remember the day when my son, I still remember we were, we were just right behind this wall is my entry to my house. And he, I think he was leaving to school in the morning and he said, mom, will you please let me stop going to seminary and church? They are making me want to kill myself every time I go. And it was like, I didn't realize it was that bad. I, I just didn't get it. I, he was, he is such a good boy. And I, I just, he was trying to please me by just hanging on to this fingernails, even though the comments and the culture and the teachings and it was just harming him. And I didn't know. And of course I immediately thought, would I rather have a gay alive child who has stepped away from the church or a gay dead child. Like, like uh, would I rather have an, a child alive or dead? And if that question has never crossed your mind, it has crossed many parents' minds in this space. It's a very big reality for very many of us. So I, I, I don't mean to feel sound too heavy, but I, I just am letting you know the reality for many of these kids. It can be life or death. 
to have um, very supportive adults in their space. Okay, the next one is learn. So I need to speed this up a little bit and that's okay. The next one is to learn. And I would say learning, first of all, can come from stories, books, podcasts, articles, websites. There's so many great resources out today. And I just put this together at Christmas time. These are all books that I have read for uh, Latter-day Saint, members of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Charlie Bird was the Cosmo, the mass the mascot at BYU before coming out. Ben Shalati works at BYU as a, an, admi- an administrator and an adjunct professor. He also used to work for LDS Social Services and he does trainings for leaders in the church to help them be more better at ministering to LGBTQ. This is this is Richard Osler who has that wonderful podcast I binged on and I still often listen to. Great book. I've been quoted a few times in there. In fact, I, I'm listening to the audio version currently. So I'm on my third time. It's kind of two and a half times through the book because I helped proofread it too. Love Boldly is by another mom in this space named Becky McIntosh. Uh, And she went through this before there were a lot of good resources. So it was, I think, a lot harder journey for her. That We May Be One is by Tom Christofferson, who is the brother of D. Todd Christofferson, an apostle. He, his experience being a gay, more gay at Latter-day Saint. No More Goodbyes is by Carolyn Pearson, who is a, was married to a, a gay man. So learning is phenomenally helpful, especially in developing empathy and learning how to support what's helpful, what's not learning, learning, learning. Brene Brown, this is another reason I think it is so helpful to listen or read stories. Brene Brown, people are hard to hate close up, so move in move in, move in. And like I said, when my son saw how how much I had changed from three weeks of binging on that podcast, I thought, boy, stories change hearts. They just do. I've heard that many times in this space and they really do. This is Tom Christofferson, the gay Latter-day Saint author. He said, if we are a personal revelation, church supported, meaning our our church is, we've kind of shifted that we're more family and personal revelation based supported by the church, we get a lot better at not judging each other. We shouldn't expect everyone to move in lockstep. Each of us in our own circumstances are trying to follow the Lord and gain guidance, which is so good. One of the things that's really important that has been important for me to learn is the chain, the teachings I was raised on. I I'm 50. So if you're any, you know, you can kind of gauge where I was raised. The teachings I was raised on have dramatically changed to today about LGBTQ people, like dramatically. I I can't even tell you how dramatically. And so, and, and four of those areas are choice. I didn't make a slide for this. I wish I would have cause like can is being gay a choice. What's it caused by? Let, Let me just take this off for a second. Choice causation, cause cure. How do you cure being gay? Because they used to think it was curable and contagion. They used to think it was contagious. So now they, the church, our church leaders no longer teach us the choice. Now I'm going to say, I think in some, especially some areas of the country or I don't know, it, I do, it feels like there are some kids kind of experimenting. Like, I don't know, is this the cool thing? I don't know. Should I try this out? That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about my son and probably many of your children who have been like, I prayed so hard to make this go away and it won't go away. That's not a choice for goodness sake. You know, a little experimentation over there. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the, the 
the, either the orientation, the person the you know, the gender they're attracted to or the gender they feel they are. And the, these, these kids are, it's not, they're not choosing it. So let me go back to this quote now. Let us be clear. This is Emerson Ballard. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints believe that the experience of same-sex attraction is a complex reality for many people. The attraction itself is not a sin. Oh, dang it. I didn't get the whole quote. What I was hoping to get is we know it's not a choice and I didn't grab it. But with love and understanding, the church reaches out to all of God's children, including those with same-sex attraction. I apologize. I didn't grab that part of the quote, but that now they no longer are teaching it's a choice. They no longer are teaching it's caused by sin or bad parenting or whatever. They're like, it's just happens. We acknowledge it's just happens. It's just a reality for, you know, the small minority of, of God's children and that we're not expected to they're not no longer expected to change. That was a huge movement in the Christian world and in our religion that people are expected to change. And it, that has caused a lot of damage and a lot of broken families where the gay person was promised by church leaders. If you go, you know, you be righteous and you get go on a mission and you get married in the temple and you have children, you will be straight. Like that promise was made more times than I can count. And it was just based on some false assumptions. They were doing you know, the best they could with what they thought was true. And I, I certainly make mistakes and I need grace. I do the best I can with what I know is true. And, and that, that, you know, now we know that was just not true. That was not true. And so many families who, you know, tried to make that work are now divorced. And, and so it's good. It's really good that we are a church that is based on continuing revelation. So we can say, Oh, that wasn't true. And it's caused problems. Let's fix that. Let's clean that up and, and go back to, and, and find out what really is true. So I'm really, it's exciting to me to be a part of a church that is based on continuing revelation and we're continuing to be restored. Okay. The last two are pretty short, get support and give support. So this get support I just want to show you, this is an, uh, a picture. Gosh, when was that taken? Pro okay, I've got a sweater on. So probably last winter. This is our older son, who's a wonderful ally. This is a gay, a gay or lesbian couple. They go by either. Who just, my husband just married them on Saturday. He's a judge, so he can officiate at gay marriages. And that's what they felt. They felt God's approval on that. And I actually did too. If you want to read about my my experience of meeting them at a Tom Christofferson fireside and being told by the spirit, three of us were told by the spirit, we we're going to be involved in their winning. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know them, <laughs> but it happened on Saturday. I, and I just posted about it, but we, in this is a little support group. We now meet online or not online. We now meet in, in person, but we have met month after month after month to support each other through this journey. Getting support is so, it, it just makes this journey so much better than trying to navigate it alone. And, you know, I, I could tell you a story about every, every one of these people and you, and there were more people before, but some people aren't out of the closet yet. And so they said, okay, I'm going to be off cam. I'm not going to show up for the picture, which is great. So we support that, but, but it's just so helpful to find support. This is a support of just this last weekend. We were at a North star conference. These are this is a parents of another a gay son and I've got a gay son. And then here are two, two of our, my transgender friends who come to our monthly support group. This one's my backdoor neighbor. Her name is Anne, and she was coming to terms with coming out while my husband was serving as our bishop. 
man, I've learned a lot from her and how our, some of our ward members have really stepped up and become tremendous allies to Anne. And boy, that, that has meant the world to me. And it helped prepare me to be the mom of a gay son. And then Bree is just a, the most loving, delightful transgender. Well, I would maybe transgender fluid. Well, no, I think she does go by transgender. I want to honor what she goes by, but she still dresses mostly male at work and such. She's a, she's a ninth grade physics teacher at a nearby charter school in my, in my actual neighborhood. And she has had so many people feel safe to come out to her because she is, is, you know, a little bit more affirming her own gender uh, identity. And so people feel safe. A while back, she said she'd had nine ninth graders come out to her as LGBT and they do not feel safe to come out to their parents, most of them. And so I love that she's a safe place. Again, a a way to find support for yourself. Unity and diversity are not opposites. We can achieve greater unity as we foster an atmosphere of inclusion, respect, and and respect for diversity. And I have just the most, this deep conviction and love for the fact that our heavenly parents don't just tolerate diversity. They adore, door diversity. The body of Christ is all the members, the eyes, the ears, the mouth, the nose, the hands, that all the members are needed to have the body of Christ be full and rich and, and alive and, and have all the gifts that we need. And our LGBTQ people in our families and our friends and our communities and our congregations, they are part of the body of Christ. It's hard for them to feel that because of so, so often the things that they hear feel like they don't fit. And so let's do our part to catch those stones and giving support is the very last one. Try to catch stones thrown by others by Dale Renlund. And like I said, he's actually quoting Brian Stevenson. The Lord expects us to teach that inclusion is a positive means toward unity and that exclusion leads to division. And I'm going to close with this one. If no other success can compensate for failure in the home, that's a, that's a very classic quote by David O. McKay, a prophet from before I was born, I think. <laughs> if So he would say, no other success can compensate for failure in the home. Then is there really any other choice when we our kids come out of the closet than full and complete acceptance? And I, I personally believe our complete love and support of them is not only nice, it's life-saving. It's life-saving. Oh, I had a visualization, but I think I better skip. I don't know, Karen, it's up to you. Do you want me to do this? It's probably... five to 10 minutes, depending. So if you want me to skip that, I will. Or if you want me to do it, I will. Yeah, I think since we're at the top of the hour, let's just turn the time back over to April here for a second. And then we'll come back. And while she's just ending up, Becky, you consider in the spirit what you'd like to do. And we'll go either direction that you feel. Okay. Yep. Okay. April, you're on. You bet. While Becky's thinking, I'll just finish up really quickly to close out for those that came online a little bit late. This is a three-part series called Stay by the Tree Messages of Hope. And we're so grateful that Becky came today. So much information. Becky, will you email us a copy of your slide so I can send that out with the recording? Yeah, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. That'd be awesome. If you'll do that, then I can send everybody a copy of your slides too. And if anybody's listening to the recording later on and they would like a copy of the slides, just email us at mothers who know at lifechangingservices.org and we would be more than happy to send you a copy of all of the slides. The next couple of weeks, we do have Maurice Harker coming and Sam Brown, both are licensed therapists. 
and they'll be speaking to us same time, same place over the next couple of weeks. And then if you would like some additional uh, support or training just for you as a mom, feel free to join our mom power training. Again, it's free and it just helps you go through and learn to center your life in Christ, learn to just understand the thoughts that are going on in your head and, and recognize what is really true and what might not be true and really learn as Becky was talking about, have empathy and reach out and love others. You can register for that at mompowertraining.org. And just last, just so you know, this has been sponsored by Mothers Who Know, and our theme is Stay by the Tree. Also, Karen Broadhead is over the program, and she also is open for any complimentary visits. If anybody wants to meet with her just to go over any thoughts or feelings that you had or anything that might be going on, if you go to MothersWhoKnow.org, there's a link. You can schedule a visit with her, and she also has a book called Mama Trauma, Now What?, and it's if you're struggling with something, there's a lot of really good thoughts, ideas, tips, resources in there for you to use. So anyway, I am going to stop. Do we want to go to questions or did we want to do the visualization? <laughs> we're going to ask. We're going to ask Becky. I prayed about it and I'm going to do a visualization. But I, if, if you are all OK with staying later, I can stay. So if anybody wants to stay later, but I'll keep the visualization relatively short. But I want to help invite you to receive your own answer. There's nothing I can say that could even compare to God speaking to you personally. That, that's always the very best. So that's, that's what we're going to take a little time to do here. So let me just pull up a little, little bit of music. This is uh, Stephen Sharp Nelson, used by permission. Okay. So I just invite you to take a deep breath, put your papers down and, and just Take a couple, you know, start to kind of have some slow, deep breathing to be in a, put your mind and heart in a relaxed state. And if you're comfortable with it, I invite you to close your eyes and imagine that you are on a path, a mountain meadow path, that you're just enjoying this nice, beautiful day. It's a warm day with a cool breeze and it's very just peaceful. You're enjoying the trees and the sunshine and wispy clouds. And you notice somebody up ahead of you is um, coming towards you, but you don't think much of it. And as this person gets closer, you realize, oh my goodness, that is my savior. Oh. And perhaps you, you have this instinct to reach out your, your arms and give him a big hug. But you look down and you realize your arms are full of burdens. You have got a whole bunch of big stones that you've been carrying that maybe you didn't even realize you were. And so I invite you to pick up the first, well, actually just imagine that you're, you look back up at the Savior's eyes and he just beckons with his hands, beckoning you, put those stones, just drop them right here at my feet. And so I invite you to take the first stone and look at it and see what have you been carrying? Has it been fear? Has it been worry? Has it been doubt? Has it been the, the heaviness of trying to be the savior for your child? Whatever that, that is, go ahead and drop it at the savior's feet. And then pick up the next stone. Maybe it's been depression or despair or discouragement. Whatever it is, drop that stone. And one by one, pick up those stones and identify what have you been carrying that has felt heavy and drop them at the Savior's feet. I said it. 
I'm guessing there's probably quite a bit of fear. There's probably disappointment. Fear for not just this life, but for eternal life for your child. Maybe some regrets. Drop those emotions of regret and fear and disappointment. Shame, guilt. Embarrassment, humiliation. Feeling inadequate, not good enough. Just heavy burdened. Drop those heavy burdens. And maybe you've got some some rocks still left in your arms and you're not sure what they are and, and the Savior just beckons, just drop them all. So imagine just dropping all the rest of those stones at the Savior's feet. Now I invite you to ask the Savior and remember, each one of us I'm inviting us to remember the Savior has already suffered for our stones, for all of our burdens. It's done. The atonement of Jesus Christ is already accomplished. It is real. It is legitimate. And it's very, very powerful. It's more powerful than all these piles of rocks. So I invite you to ask him to, to take that pile of rocks away, whether he whatever that looks like in your mind's eye, whether he just steps on it and it disappears, or maybe he sweeps it away like a like a broom or makes it explode it's kind of fun to hear how it looks in different people's minds but just take a breath of having that relief and notice how much lighter you feel and now you notice the savior is opening up his arms and saying now can i have that hug and you just let the savior envelop you into his arms and let his light and love and healing fill your heart. Just imagine your heart filling with that light and let it go up into your, your head and out your arms and down your legs and fill the space around you. That beautiful light of being by the tree, our Savior Jesus Christ. And just breathe it in, let it soak in. Now I invite you to take a step back and imagine your child that you have been so concerned about or your loved one with whatever they have been dealing with. And I invite you to imagine gently placing that child in the arms of the Savior and watching the Savior just envelop and love and hug that child and say to you, I've got him or her, I've got them. You do not need to be the savior. It's not your job. You are here to love and support and follow promptings, but I am here to save. And if I might imagine taking another step back, symbolizing, I trust my savior. I trust my savior that my child is in his hands. Oh, doesn't that feel so good? So, so good. Such a relief. <sighs> Now, if I invite you to just, uh, if you haven't already received an answer to your question, I invite you now to ask the Savior in your mind's eye, 
your question that you came to this class with. And if you, if you don't have a question, you can just say, teach me, tutor me. What is your message to me about this child or about this topic? And I'm going to just pause for maybe two more minutes and let you just feel that. If we had more time, I'd go longer. But maybe if you're still getting an answer when it comes to Q&A, you can just mute us and you can continue to be taught by God because that's always better than being taught by a person. <laughs> so I'm going to be quiet and you can receive whatever answer he has for you. go like, like I said if you're still getting a download from heaven just mute your computer so you don't have to hear us and let's go ahead and move into the Q&A thanks for giving thanks for taking the time to do that visualization with me thank you Becky I think April is going to be reading questions and I'll do my best to mm -hmm. give some answers Thank you. All right. Well, and thank you so much, Becky, for being here. So much good information. So let me, I'll just start with the first one. I hear people using the term same-sex attraction, same-gender attraction, gay, identify as, whatever. Is there a best way to do that? That's a great question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there are a lot of different ways that people choose to label themselves. And on the church's website, they it used to be called Mormon Mormons and Gay, Mormon and Gay. But now they basically say, you, you get to label yourself, whatever fits for you. So I like to ask, it's a respectful thing to say, do you mind if I ask how you identify? So could you, you know, and, and I want to, I want to use the labels that matter to them in the North Star community. A lot, I hear a lot, the term same-sex attracted, 
in other circles that feels offensive to them. And they're like, no, it's not just about sex. It's my whole, it's the way I interact with people. It's the way I'm artistic. It's the way I'm extra loving and compassionate. Like it's, it encompasses all of me. So I just say gay and I think, okay, then I'm going to call you gay. And I'll say you experience same sex attraction. <laughs> so if you have a child in this space, the best thing to do would be to ask, how do you want me to say? And, and that would be the most respectful thing is to honor how they feel they want to be labeled. That makes sense. Let's see. How do you talk to your younger children and extended family? In, uh, in my it, other stories that I've heard, I don't have young children. I just have grandchildren now, but in terms of young people, but I have heard uh, a lot of stories where parents are really worried about how little kids are going to respond. And they say that they just give them some simple answer like, well, I love dad. So I'm attracted to males. I love, I love, you know, my, or I'm trying to think something super simple. Like, you know how I love dad? Well, Joey loves Pete and they go, Oh, okay, let's go play. You know, <laughs> and they, like it can be more simple than we sometimes think it needs. It needs to be so complicated, but little children, most of the time are really filled with love and, and they don't, see that as a big problem a lot of times. So, and I will, I will share a, a quick story by Tom Christofferson's parents, which, oh, I, I downloaded that book the very day I found out my son is gay. I, I listened to it on a big, long commute. I had somewhere out of town to go. And I remember this moment, I just wept. I was just kept crying. This book was so touching and it was really helpful, right? To have something right away to listen to. And Tom, his, he has all brothers and they were going to, I believe like a family reunion at a cabin and the brothers were, and the wives were like, I don't know if we want our kids to be around Tom and his gay partner. That's like really yucky. And well, you know, this is a long, long time ago. So it was way more vilified. And, you know, back then, if you just said you were gay, you're excommunicated. So very different than today. And, and his parents, I'm sure were very prayerful about how to handle this. And they gathered all those, those sons and daughters-in-law around and the kids were not in the room. And they said, the best way to show your children, so their grandchildren, that there is nothing they can do that would put them outside the circle of our family's love is by how we treat Tom and his partner. And I thought, oh, that was a parenting A plus. That was a win by for sure is, is to understand the best thing we can do is teach our children how to love unconditionally, like Christ loves unconditionally. And in my family experience, our family is much more loving to each other now than we were before. It's been, it's been a, a really good thing to have more family solidarity. So I hope that helps. Thank you. How can I reconcile hurtful comments that have been made by leaders of the church or other people, phrases from the scriptures, stuff like that? Oh boy, I could, I probably have about five hours I could say. And I just, whoever asked that question, thank you for that honest question. It's, you're so not alone. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's challenging and it's triggering. Probably my biggest answer would be, oh, and I actually forgot to mention this. I'm glad you brought it up. When, when we talked about love and learn and get support and give support in my experience, the most important learning I've done has been number one stories. And number two, not that, not that it's less important, but these two things, personal revelation. I have relied so heavily on personal revelation in this journey because in, when I taught seminary and Institute, we were taught doctrine never changes. So if something is truly doctrine, it will stay the same all through time. And the teachings about LGBTQ people have been all over the map ever since 
as gosh, probably early days of the church. And there weren't a lot of teachings until around Kimball's, but yeah, a little before anyway, but they've changed so dramatically and the beliefs and the understandings, there was no science back then that there is, is a genetic component and an epigenetic component. Nobody knew that yet. We know that now, like there's just much more understanding now. So, so for me, instead of relying on teachings that are really like, and I feel feel like, well, they're probably going to continue to change some more because there's, there's still more understanding happening and coming to, you know, science and, and mental health science, those kinds of things. So I have relied really heavily on personal revelation. And personally, I use a lot of mentoring tools on myself. And sometimes I'll I'll reach out to another mentor and say, I'm, I've had some trauma with church related trauma. I need some help. And, and we've helped each other through that. So, so, you know, sometimes getting support means a therapist or a coach or a mentor or, or some other type of support that can be a safe place, a Facebook group to help you process through this journey. I I'm in, I'm a member of multiple Facebook groups for, for LDS parents, of LGBTQ kids. And what I love the most is that we walk with each other. It, the, my favorite one is called I'll walk with you from the primary song by Carolyn Pearson. And most people think that's written for like, you know, children with in a wheelchair or something, but it was also written in mind with children who are growing up recognizing, Oh my gosh, I'm so different. And I don't know if that's okay. I'm not attracted to what all my friends are attracted, you know, the same gender that my friends are attracted to, or I don't feel like my body matches my spirit, those kinds of things. She wanted to write that song for them which is really touching. It's my favorite primary song. So knowing that, well, anyway, I hope that answers. Is that enough, April? Do you think? Okay. Yeah. I think Cause I kind of lost my train of thought. So I hope I was, I hope I rounded it up enough. <laughs> I think that was awesome. Okay. Um, you, you mentioned a couple of support groups that you're in and specifically yours. Is it open? Like can other people? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So for, for people who are really new on this journey, I usually recommend North Star Parents Group. And you, if you Google North Star Facebook Parent Group, Google North Star Facebook Parent Group, it will bring you to a, a, a website that has a few questions that you answer. And they just want to make sure you're legitimate and you're not some troll and that you're not going to, you know, divulge privacy. Like they keep it a very safe space. And I know there are people in this group who are in that North star group with me. There's another one. I'll walk with you and, and you can just request to join that one. And then one of the administrators will ask you a couple of questions again, just to make sure you're a safe place, you're a safe person and you're not going to divulge privacy. So, you know, there's, there's other ones too, but those are the main two that have been really helpful. And, and, you know, I don't feel that it's, I, I haven't really felt to, if I've been hurt by, uh, you know, a particular quote, let's say like, oh, that conference talk, that, that really hurt my heart. I don't really go to my own Facebook page and process that. Most people wouldn't understand that. And they would think I'm bashing the church and I, that's not my intent. My intent is I need to process some pain and I need a safe place to do that. So I go usually to I'll walk with you uh, when I need to process something like that. And people are just so much empathy. And I, I have had some good experiences with that kind of pain in North Star too, but I would say I'll walk with you. I felt just, it's, it's a bigger, more active group. So either of those is, is really good. Okay, great. Thank you. It seems there's so much pressure among peers at early ages to identify their sexual orientation, how they identify their pronouns. How do you think this is affecting the LGBTQ community who fall in that space of truly identifying LGBTQ like your son or our children? Is it devaluing or hurtful to them? 
Oh, that's a great question. You guys are, you ladies are asking such beautiful questions. Thank you so much. So I, I do think that there is some social pressure in this day, it, which is so different than it's ever been ever. Like, you know, people my age couldn't even come out because they would be fired from their jobs. They'd be kicked out of the church. They'd be everything, they'd lose everything. So to now say, oh, I'm getting peer pressure to identify as transgender. Like it just is so different than it's been. And certainly not in every circle. There, there are, you know, it, there are places where some kids are experiencing that. And what I think what it, how, how it ha can be hurtful to ones who truly do identify with that. And they're not just experimenting is that it can make other people not trust them and not believe them and say, oh, it's just a fad. It's just, no, you're not. You're, you're just, it's just peer pressure. It's just the trendy thing to do. And, you know, I have green eyes and that's a very unusual eye color. So what if, what if people were to say, you don't really have green eyes. It's just a fad. It's just, people just think it's cool. I would think you don't know you. I really, truly do. I've had them since birth. Like, don't tell me what I have and don't have, you know, and, and that's nothing. Eye color is nothing like the life experience of somebody who is LGBTQ. So, but, but it's just, it just to, to believe the person. And here's the thing. If there are occasionally, uh, there is occasionally a child who maybe, especially during puberty, they're trying to figure it out. And they're like, I think I'm bi, no, maybe I'm trans. Ugh. And they're trying to figure it out. And then eventually they figure it out and they go, Oh, I'm actually gay. That doesn't mean they were lying to you. They were hormones are kind of wonky during that phase. They're trying to figure it out. And, and the best thing you can do through that time is to love them is to say, well, while you're figuring it out, I love you <laughs> and we'll figure We'll I'll be with you while you're going this journey. And it's okay to take time to figure it out. It's okay. I mean, I'm here with you. What, what is not helpful is just to say, you're an idiot. I don't believe you. This is all a fad. You're dumb. Like none of that's helpful. So, okay. I'm going to read both of these together because they're kind of similar. So the first one says, I struggle with using pronouns that don't match my memories of my child. Also, the handbook says that if a member changes pronouns and appearance, their opportunities might be limited. So I have a hard time encouraging my daughter in this way. And then I don't know if you want me to pause or read the next one, Becky. Uh, go ahead and read the next one. Okay. One of my struggles is even in the label of saying my son is gay versus he struggles with same-sex attraction. It seems like we and they are labeling them as the struggle and letting a struggle define them instead of refine them. I'm really striving to learn and love and understand this unconditional love with our own son. But in this process, I have seen so many group, group themselves into this label almost as an excuse to just jump into the lifestyle instead of trying to learn what the Lord would like them to learn and do and live how he wants them to. So she, she goes on, but she says, it seems like we're letting the world's view of just accept and support everything they want to do instead of trying to lean into God and see how he wants to refine them through this struggle. Okay, great questions. Such good, honest questions. Thank you. So in terms of the, the labels, maybe I should have had you pause now. Let's see. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it was gay versus struggle with same-sex attraction, right? Right. There's okay. that one. And then just the, the struggling with the pronouns versus okay. my memory of my child. Okay. Right. Okay. So I, if you have a child who identifies as transgender or non-binary, I just want to give you a big hug because that is a difficult road. 
it's got a lot of challenges. I, they're also some of the most kind, beautiful people I've ever met, my transgender friends and non-binary friends. Beautiful, good, p- pure, loving souls. Like seriously, if you ever meet my friend Brie, and I know some of you have, she will give you the biggest hug and she will make you feel like a million bucks before you walk away. She, she is just love, pure love. And so, but I also want to acknowledge that it would be so hard for me too. If my, you know, I'm used to having a gay son, but if my son came to me and said, I actually feel like my body doesn't match my spirit. And I am going to ask you to call me she and Isabel, I would be like, okay. <laughs> and I'd go away and be like, oh my goodness, this is going to be a really big change. Like, I just want to validate this is big. It's big and it's, and let yourself go through the grieving process because the child you knew, it's, it's still the same child inside, but the clothes, the hair that she, her versus he, him is shifting and let yourself grieve that, but don't grieve it to your child. Like your child is not Jesus. Your child is not your therapist. Your child is not your coach. Find other safe places, a Facebook group, a coach, a therapist, a, your, your spouse, your best friend, you know, another person in this group, in this, who's experiencing this, you can emote to them. Do not dump on your child. Your child already has so many emotions they're dealing with, but I just want to acknowledge it would be really challenging um, to adjust to that. And, and especially if you're not sure if it's real, because some parents aren't, some parents are like, I don't know. Is this a trend or is this actually real? And, and I do not pretend to know the answers to what's the best way to respond to that, but I can tell you who does our heavenly parents. And so personal revelation is top priority again to me in this space. It's just, I can't, I can't emphasize it enough. And then the second question about, let's see, I wrote support and God. Oh, the, the idea of, do we just label people or do we encourage them to live their life guided by personal revelation? So I have learned it's really not my place to boss somebody around. (laughs) Sometimes in our church, we culture, we kind of sometimes think it is. (laughs) Once somebody's an adult, even if it's our own child, they're an adult. (laughs) And my job isn't to save. They've got a savior. It's not me. My job isn't to fix. My job isn't to control. My job isn't to, it's just not, that's not my job. My job is to love and follow, per, seek and follow personal revelation. So if, if I feel God telling me to say something that, that is counsel, then I'll, then I'll do my best to follow that. But otherwise I, it's not my job to preach at my kid. They know so much more about this space than I ever will ever. <laughs> and I, I feel like I have a master's degree from how much study I've done, but I don't experience it personally. So I don't, I don't know as much and I never will. So for me to say, I don't know anything about this Cause I don't actually, you know, all I know is what I've studied, but I'm going to tell you what to do. That just, I, I don't feel like that's my place. I feel like, but I certainly encourage my son to live his life by personal revelation. And so many kids do step away. The vast majority step away from the church, both in our, our religion and other Orthodox religions, couple reasons, couple main reasons. One mental health, they often can't stay and stay alive too, because it's very, very hard on their mental health. And two, most, a lot of, most of them just don't see a plan of happiness for them here. And they're like, well, no, you guys aren't told you have to choose between marriage and family and that, that happy path versus staying in full fellowship with your religion. 
but they're given that choice and I'm not. So I, I just do my best to have empathy. And, and when my son first came out, a man that we know we're friends with who his son did die by suicide several years ago. And he said, Hiram, I have one piece of advice for you. And it's, it was profound. I've, I've passed this on many times. He said, our church has no monopoly on your relationship with God or Jesus or personal revelation. And I just thought that is so important for these kids to know. It's, it's really hard for some of them to separate that because God and church is like ugh, super tight. But if they can figure out how to say, okay, that I've been so wounded by church, I must step away to stay alive and, and mentally healthy, but I'm going to bring God with me. That, that is a really helpful thing to a skill, uh, you know, thing to, to learn to do. And, and some of them haven't been able to learn to do that. I have quite a few friends whose their kids just left God too, which is really sad, but it's understandable because they were, they felt betrayed by God as well as church when all those promises didn't come to pass and they didn't become straight when they were promised. So I have empathy for them. And I know that our heavenly parents get it. They get why their children are doing what they're doing and they have just boatloads of love. And, and they can work it out. Their plan, their plan is so much bigger than we think, I believe. I, I believe that there's so much grace and space in their plan for our LGBTQ kids. Great. I know we're getting short on time. So let me just ask, there's just a couple of other questions. Is there a place where compassion crosses the line of my covenants, like showing affection in front of my other kids? Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me pause on that because I just realized Kit is here. Bree's, Bree's spouse Kit is here. I didn't see you here, Kit, but hello. I love you. <laughs> the one that I said, you're going to feel like a million bucks if you are spent a few minutes with, with Bree and Kit is an incredible, incredible wife and ally. And wow. I just marriage goals right there. She, that, that marriage is so strong and beautiful. Just love them. Okay, so the questions that had to do with covenants and support, is that kind of the, the gist of it, April? Like if I support LGBTQ, am I breaking covenants? Is that, is that kind of what they're asking? I'm not really sure because the example is showing affection in front of my other kids. Okay, so I assume maybe a gay couple showing affection. Do you think that's what they mean? That's what I'm thinking, maybe. Okay, okay yeah. So that's a good question. Again, I would take your questions directly to God. I'll do my best, but I'm not God. <laughs> I mean, I do my best to be a conduit. I'm always praying to be inspired, but I, I'm also human. So I, I think that because I have a heterosexual brain, I'm only attracted to male. Like that's all, you know, the idea of kissing a female is gross and well to me. So to me in the past, if I would have seen a movie, which I, that, I don't even feel like that was represented. I never saw that in the past. But if I saw a movie of two women kissing, I would have thought, ooh, that's gross, which means that must be inherently evil. And, and so I kind of, but I think, well, wait a second. Our movies are all almost completely a man kissing a woman. And they probably feel the same, like, ooh, when they see that. And I think, well, that's just, you know, like it, to have compassion that they live in a heteronormative culture. And what's gross to me is beautiful to them. And that's exactly what they're attracted to. And, and so it's, again, it's not my job to change somebody. It's not my job to control. That's Satan's plan, not mine, not God's. And it's, it's, but it is my job to love. And so for many of the parents in this space, they have received revelation, you know, as they've taken this, this whole question to to God, like, what do you want me to do? 
I have a gay son and we tried the conversion therapy and we tried all the things, you know, back in the day to make him straight. And he tried so hard and prayed, tried, pray, tried to pray the gay away and it never goes away. And basically when they're really ready to say to just, what do you want me to do? The answer so many of us parents get is your job is just to love. I'll take care of the rest. And when I think of that is, is it being a loving parent to say you have to just pretend you're not gay when you're around us. Just don't be your full self, like cut yourself in half. That doesn't feel loving to me. It feels loving to say, bring your full authentic self and we're going to love who you love and they're going to be part of the family. And and that's what Tom Christofferson's parents did way before their time is, is they just embraced, I mean, pictures on the, the mantle, you know, the whole thing that, 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 that kind of family love to me is very Christ-like. When I, when I think about, I, I don't know how many of you are fans of the Chosen series. I'm a huge fan. And I think, boy, that's a different looking family, isn't it? <laughs> um, all these, all these kind of ragtag, you know, followers and some are married, some are not some, you know, all these different family structures and, and they're just all coming together and being this kind of family with Jesus in a way. And, and I think I never heard Jesus bag on any type of family structure. He just wanted people to love, you know, that was his main focus. And to me, uh, so you, if that's a big concern for you about showing affection, I would, here's the thing, here's the thing. Your children are going to grow up and they're going to have jobs and go to school and be in, you know, careers with LGBT people. And if they have never been exposed to it and all they've been done is, is like, let's put blinders on and pretend they don't exist. They're probably going to be really homophobic and lose their first job. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's just a reality of our day that people feel more safe to come out. So they do. And many of them, not, not all. And, and so exposing them is just saying this is part of the diversity of God's creations. It's not saying you're going to become gay. I think the, the maybe underlying assumption about that is it's contagious, which we used to believe that now we know it's not true. So yeah. Kit's comment in the chat too, was just love and create an environment of willing to change. And she mentions elder booms, October, 2019 general conference. I'm guessing that's a talk there. So thank you Kit for that. All right, last two questions. And then in the end, Becky, if you'll um, just leave us with a final message after these two questions. One of them, she would like to know where you got your rainbow ring. Oh, sure. <laughs> just Amazon. Oh. Um, yeah, just Amazon. I, I, there's, pro- there's a lot. So okay. Well, this is kind of a long question, so be ready. Okay. But, um, she says, Becky, thank you so much for your awesome words of comfort, love, and learning. And just so you know, Becky, there have been lots of comments like that. Thank oh. you so much. My son, brother-in-law, and two nephews are all gay, but they hate the rainbow symbol associated with the LGBTQ community. They love support and have incredible empathy for those in this community of which they are a part, but feel that the rainbow flags, shirts, etc., are all screaming. The most important thing about you, the only thing that we see in that matters is your sexual orientation. For them, they feel their sexual orientation is just a small part of their greater role as sons of God. They also feel the rainbow represents many political agendas with which they strongly disagree. And then for them, seeing rainbow flags doesn't make them feel loved and supported. It makes them feel like their personal challenge is being used to push agendas. Have you met others in the LGBT community who have expressed these? Any thoughts on this? 
and I didn't mean for these to be negative questions. Sorry, I like opposites. I glanced at one and went, oh, they're about rainbow. And then I, anyway, so. That's okay. No, <laughs> it's, it's a challenging space. So it makes the questions are challenging. It, it's just challenging. Yeah. And again, I don't mean to say it's, uh, it's a bad thing to have an LGBT child. It's how they're being treated. That's such a challenge. It's how, it's how they're being wounded. That's, that's the challenge. And at least to my experience. So that is such a good question. And I actually read that earlier. So I cannot speak to that because my circle in my circles, that's one of the biggest ways the parents love to show support is, is to have a rainbow sweater. Or I, I bought a little rainbow pin from online that says, I'll walk with you. And I put that on my, my church clothes, or I wore it to that wedding we had the other day or a conference or whatever. And, and you know, a friend of mine was at the conference. She's from DC. And she said she DoorDash, she ordered a DoorDash meal this week. And that when the, when the delivery person said, you know, put the picture, okay, it's on your porch. She said, I love your pride flag. And, and to her, that was like such a touching moment that this, this kid is probably in the community in the LGBTQ community. And he appreciated that I am trying to be a safe place. So I, I, I don't know how many people feel that way. I think that was part of the question is, do I know others? I, I can see how I personally don't use it as an agenda thing. You know, when people say the evil gay agenda, I think every LGBTQ person I know has one agenda and it's to be happy. Just like the rest of us have the opportunity to be happy. They, they want family. They want support. They want to be accepted and loved the way they are and to live their life <laughs> safely and, and not die by suicide or bullying or whatever. And like, that's a pretty awesome agenda. In my opinion, I, I, I cannot speak to what people say is this big evil out there gay agenda. Cause that's not my experience. And it's not my community's experience. These are real kids who are sometimes on the verge of dying by suicide. And, and so to me, the rainbow represents that and, and I'm, I feel sad that, that that has been the experience of these people because I would never want to hurt them. Never in a million years would I want to hurt one of God's LGBTQ children. And I have no way of knowing if, if that is, you know, like 1% of the people or two, I, I, have, I have no way of knowing that. And I, I don't know that there's a way to fix that because different symbols represent different things to different people. But all I can say is I have been thanked so many times by LGBTQ people and their parents for the ways that I am representing uh, love to them with rainbow clothes or, or posts or whatever. I, I can't even count how many times people have said, oh my gosh, thank you so much and felt safe to come out to me and felt safe to let me know their child is, is going through this and asking for resources. So in my experience, it's been a tremendous blessing to show that kind of support. So I, I, but I don't disagree with this person because everyone's entitled to their own interpretations. And if that's the way these people see it, then I honor that. And, and I, I don't know that there's any answers to that. Okay, great. Thank you. Well, before we go, we'll have Becky have the last, any last message of hope you want to leave us. But if anybody wants to connect with Becky, you can find her on Facebook. Just go in Facebook and search Becky Edwards. You can find her on Instagram. And then her website is purposedrivenmentoring.com if you, you know, want to connect with her in that way. So I'll just leave the last few minutes to you, Becky, on however you would like to end. Sure. And thank you everyone for staying extra, whoever did. That was so kind. So I, I just 
really give love and compassion to every parent who is here for whatever your journey is and whatever your child's journey is, lots of love and compassion to you. And I just acknowledge that it's complicated and, and there's a lot of emotion that goes to that. And that's really normal. There's a grieving process that, that happens often and that's normal. And it's healthy to let yourself go through those emotions and process and feel those and let them go. And if you don't have tools to do that, find some support to, to help with that. But I also just want to reemphasize the importance of love and how the Savior emphasized that himself over and over and over. And he loved hanging out with the marginalized people, with people who, you know, the cool people didn't think were worth hanging out with. That was, that was kind of his favorite hangout place was with the maybe um, see people seen as uncool or less than. And, and his, his priority on love really guides my life and my actions. My friend Vicki, who has two gay children, she met me soon after my son came out and she just, she's very loving. And she took my son's, he's a beautiful boy. She took his face in her, his cheeks in her hands like this, kind of like a grandma would for kiss, planting a kiss on the forehead. You know, she just like, she just said, you are so beautiful. And, and then she looked at me and she said, Becky, you will have a day where you will say, this is one of the best things that's ever happened to you is to have a gay son. And I looked at her like, (laughs) I couldn't even imagine ever thinking that not in a million years. I thought, I don't know. She's crazy. (laughs) This is really hard. And it's, I'm questioning things in my faith and it's, it's a wrestle. And I'm, I'm coming to terms with how much church trauma this kid has had. Like it was, I just thought, how could she think it's a blessing? But now several years later, and I like myself better. Now the new version of me is new and improved. (laughs) I have a bigger heart. I like the Grinch. My heart has grown many sizes. I don't judge like I used to. I don't, I feel like I I used to be a little self-righteous, maybe a lot. I don't know, but I don't, I I hope I'm not, maybe I still have some there and I'll keep, keep hoping that falls away. But I feel like now I am able to just love and let go of judgment and, and, let, and just trust God that he's got a place for our kids. And that is such a a beautiful place to be. And if, if having a gay son and going through this experience is what it took to transform me and my family to be more like that, that's the best thing that could have happened to us. And I feel like it's, it's what is part of what's preparing us for the savior to come back. If there's anything our society needs to get ready for the savior to come back, it's to learn like to love, like he does unconditional, radical, beautiful, inclusive love. And the savior is so good at that. And it, and in my experience, nothing has taught me that like having a gay child. So I encourage you to get support that you need and, and to get the support your child needs. If they need some, a therapist or whatever it is, take care of you, take care of them, but to know that God is with you, you are not alone and you can seek personal revelation day or night. And they are there. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Becky, thank you so much. We love what you've presented. We love your heart and we love your example of really leaning into the wrestle in a difficult place when you're figuring it all out and seeking personal revelation. Your example of learning what God expects us to do when we love. It's just so meaningful and been so insightful for all of us as we've considered the people that we love and care about so deeply. So 
Thank you so much for being here. And everybody, thank you for your time today. We're so grateful that you would take your time to be here today. And so thankful for the spirit that we felt. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you.